actually start to share with people how God's transforming my life. But see, what happens is, is there is a tension that exists between not sharing and sharing. And in this place, this, this fear will tell you, don't do it. Don't say anything. How will they respond? What if they reject you? What if they stop listening to you? What if they no longer want to be your friend? What if they no longer want to hang out with you? What if they don't like the message that you have? And so there's the, all these questions that come into mind, this tension, this place of tension that goes from not the, from being superficial to actually sharing the life-transforming message of what Jesus is doing. In this place, there's that tension. And then here's what I think is this, is that Paul gets to this point where he says, for this reason, in that space of tension, of you sharing the mystery of what Jesus did. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all, full, all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within. Y'all didn't say that loud enough. Let's just change it a little bit. You ready? Where you see us, write me. Don't write Chad. Write me. Like, you put your name there. When, when, when you give your life to Christ, there's this power that is working in you. There's this power that exists in you. It isn't just for the pastor. It isn't just for the ministry leader. It is for everyone who has said, you know what? I want to receive what Jesus has done for me. I want to receive forgiveness. I want to understand this mystery more and more. So I'm going to give my life to Christ and receive the forgiveness and the new life that he has for me. And the minute that happens, his power sets within you. And see, this is not a human power. I had a buddy this week, he said, he goes, Chad, your boys are getting older. Well, it's true, they are. They're getting older. That's what happens when the days go by, they grow. And so he goes, there's going to come a day when they'll be stronger than you. Daddy wins. Um, I started laughing. Because that's why daddy works out. But there's this power, even I was thinking about this, I got to work out a couple times this week and kind of rejuvenate. And then, I'll just be honest, that hasn't been a thing that I've been able to do lately. And so this week I was able to break away and just what I learned is that my power is limited by my own strength. There, there's a point where I reach a place of exhaustion where that bar, no matter how hard I push up on it, it re refuses to go up. And so what happens when I do that, I have to call out for or squirm my way out of it. 
You see, that's human power. There's this power that exists that's not human. There's this power that exists within us that's given us that is not limited by my own human strength. He goes on, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And see, in this passage, we get to hear Paul's prayer for the church. For us as a church body, what his prayer was. And here's what I love. Have, you, have you, any of you ever started praying? Um, I know if you have kids, hopefully you're praying for your kids. Um, but if you're not, maybe you've got a niece or nephew or, or somebody that's close to you or a, a family member or even somebody that you just do life with and they have kids and you're praying for them. And I know there's a tendency with parents a lot of times that we just pray for our kids. But what about about this, if we have young kids, what if we started actually praying for their future spouse? What if we started praying for our future grandkids? Dad, a a strong spiritual grandfather. Uh, He was my mom's dad, uh, Granddaddy Mickey. And he had a house that was an A-frame right on the Alabama River. And one of the things as you walk by, the only way you could get into the living room was if you walked by their bedroom. And now they, they left the door open. And so when I was a kid, we'd spend a couple weeks down there. And I always remember seeing this, this image, and I, I'll never forget it. You see him, you go down the stairs, and you took a corner, and you hit the corner again. And I remember looking over, it'd be early in the morning or whatever it was, and my granddaddy would be on his knees praying. And the question was always asked, who are you praying for? He's always praying for his kids and his grandkids and his sons and daughters-in-laws and those. And that's, that's the prayer. See, there's this prayer piece that he had that's so much so that I remember sometimes he wouldn't even make it into the bed because what he would do is he'd start praying on his knees at night and he'd fall asleep. And in the morning, he'd still be in that position. Because he was praying for his family. And he was praying for his church. And he was praying for those that were closest to him. Now now here's the thing that that was so interesting to me as I look at this. I look at Paul's prayer for the church. And at this time he's talking to the church of Ephesus. But I strongly believe that he wasn't just praying for that church body. He was praying for every church body that existed up and even to right now. Like this prayer that he prayed back, it was a prayer that ascended uh, generations, that went beyond just that moment, but that went into the future, that went even further. And so here's, here was my challenge in all of this, is that as we sit there and we think about this idea of praying and this idea of coming before God and focusing on the true one that I should depend on, because that's what Paul's writing about here is this, this is what is our, who is our dependence on? Who are we depending on? And he was praying that as a church, excuse me. (coughs) Sorry, I've got a cold. And so as he's sitting there praying about this, he was saying, there's there's something you need to depend on, and that's not you, and that's not the person here or there. But you need to get to a point where your total dependent is on God and is on your relationship with Jesus. 
And so he gets to this point, and so I, I, I see this, and as I look at this, and he's talking about, he's praying for the church's dependence on something, and I notice this, is that as we depend on something, that for which we depend on is where my focus goes and what I spend a lot of energy towards, and what I, I fo- my energy and focus goes towards, and I realize that this is that a lot of times uh, I need to focus on certain things, and my focus needs to be on Jesus, but in that, in my focus, and my need to focus on him, I need to focus in on my approach to him. And I look at Paul and what he did, and what does he say? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. There's an approach that Paul uses here. And what I'm noticing in Scripture and what I'm noticing about what God's Word says is that our approach to him means everything. Jocelyn mentioned it earlier today. See, he sees our heart. He sees what's going on in here. Now, we live in a world now, and, and, and there, this, is, this is true, and what's interesting is in my quiet times I'm reading through Jeremiah. And if you go to Jeremiah chapter 20, there's this part where Jeremiah gets so tired that he unleashes on God. And as he unleashes on God and he starts blaming him for stuff, what happens is, is his, 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 his approach changes. See, we live and I hear this a lot. Well, I can tell God whatever I want and I can go off on God and all this stuff. And, I, and can I just say this? Be very careful of that. Be very careful. Don't get in the habit of going off on God. Can he take it? Yes. Does he want to hear your heart cry? Yes. But your approach to him says a lot about where your heart is. Your approach and the way you talk to him says a lot about where you're at. And I'm not saying that you can't go and be honest. I, I, guys, I, I'll go and let him know everything. If you know me, I'm an open book, and I don't, I mean, I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and so if you know, you know if I'm in a bad mood or if I'm stressed, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what I want to caution us on is this. Yes, be honest with God, and let him know what's going on in your life and lay it out there, but do it in a state of humility. Do it in a state of that you love the one you're talking to. When you're going to him out of anger and you're going to him out of arrogance and you're going to him out of all these, out of, out of this, this wrong place, as your pastor, let me just caution you. Let me just say that maybe we need to change our heart and our approach to him in this way. And in that, we go to him in a, in a certain way. Paul goes to him, and what does he say? He says he bows his knees. He's on his knees before the Father. And that approach, the way we approach him, is so important. See, I need to focus in on my approach. Psalm 95, 6 to 7 says this. Oh, come, let us worship and what? Bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his 
pasture and the sheep of his There's this approach, guys. Am I making sense here? Like, I don't want you to hear me and say, well, I can't go and and get upset and I can't be upset. That's, That's not what I'm saying, guys. What I'm saying is be very careful in how we approach him. Because above all else, he is our God. He is our maker. He is our creator. And even in the midst of our frustration, in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our anger, we can go to him. But recognizing that he is our God and he's our maker. And that our approach matters. See, I mentioned Jeremiah 20. It's Jeremiah 27 to 18. There's this piece where Jeremiah was questioning his own existence and his own reason for living. And why was he created? But even in the middle of that piece... He recognized that who God is. And he brings it to the forefront. In the midst of him venting, in the midst of him expressing his frustration and anger to God and saying, why are you putting me through this? In the middle of that, you see this piece where he takes a deep breath and he realizes who he's talking to. And he recognizes that. And he recognizes the one he is approaching. And the second thing, as we look at this, my focus, as I depend on him, not only does my focus need to be on my approach to him, but my focus needs to be on the source of which I get what I need during the day. In verses 16, Paul goes on to pray this, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I hear a lot about how our energy is produced. And, and like we have to make sure we eat the right foods. We have to get enough protein. We have to get enough what? Sleep. That's debatable, but no, sleep. What's the other thing we need a lot to make sure we have energy? Gravy and biscuits. <laughs> May explain something, Dale. <laughs> um. What are some other things? Sleep, exercise, rest, water. There's all these different things that, that, that help us with our energy, that help us to, to stay energized. Some people are taking supplements. Some people are watching what they're eating. Some people, all these different things and all this stuff, and we could do all of those things. But there's this piece where Paul says there's another, another set of, uh, of strength that you need. There's something more than you need just that doesn't get you. It, it, it takes you through that spiritual piece of life. That gets you through, you know, we talked last week and we talked about the heavenly realms. That what we do has an impact on the heavenly realms. See, there's a piece of this that we need strength for that. We're not talking about just getting through the day. We're talking about making a kingdom impact. We're talking about making a heavenly impact. And that's the piece that we need the strength for and the strength that we can only get from that or the strength we need for that can only come from who? God. And he says in this, his prayer is this, that according to the riches of his glory, that according to him, that according to Jesus, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being. So there's this peace that allows us to accomplish more and more based off of what he has to offer, not what we do. 
Not how well we eat, not how much we exercise, not how much rest we get, not how much all this other stuff that everyone tells us we need to do in order to stay energized and to stay fit and all these other things. There, see, there's this peace that, and I've noticed this, is that peace when you're dog tired and you don't know what else to say and you don't know what else to do, there's this second wind that comes in and that helps you And as you, as you dive into his word, that it helps you as you study, it helps you as you interact. And it's that peace where his strength comes from that, is, that, that does not end. There's no limit to it. Because it's according to his grace and according to his riches that that's the peace that it comes for that sustains us. That allows us to go above and beyond. That allows us to impact this world in a different way. And so, see, my focus needs to be on where my source is coming from. And yes, I need to make sure I'm taking care of my earthly body. But the reality of it is, is I need to be diving into the source of what's strengthening my spiritual body as well. And so is my focus on that. Philippians 4.13 says this, a very common verse. You may know it. You may not, but let's just read it real quick. I can do all things through him who? See, there's this point where we get to where we need to step out in faith and have a conversation with somebody and share how God has transformed our lives. There's this place where I need to get to where I step out and maybe start doing a ministry. I need to show up to somebody's home. I need to do something that is outside of my comfort zone that I need to do something that is totally relying on him, and I need to start walking out my faith and start trusting him. And see, when we read scripture, we say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so we start to put that into our earthly realm, and may I say that we start putting this into our faith walk more so. That my boldness for him and my, my need to share more about him starts coming from this strength that comes from him and nothing else. That the way I speak and the way I talk truth and the way I interact with people, that that strength is flowing from him, the source. And where does it start? It starts from our, our daily walk with him. It starts with my daily conversations with him, my daily reading with him, my, 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 my daily prayer with him, my daily worship with him, my daily acknowledging him, my daily approach to him, that that's where it starts. And because of that, then all the things that he's asking me to do, all the things that he's calling me to do, he gives me the strength to accomplish. And he is my source, and that should be the focus of my life. See, as I look at my approach and I focus on my approach to him and I focus on him as my source, then one of the things I need to do is in my choices. Do you know that life is made up of choices we make? They're made up of choices we make. I'm trying to help my kids understand that a lot of what happens in life is depending on the choices they make. So much so that I'll even share a lot of the things that daddy did, the bad choices that daddy made along the way. And there's a lot of stories to share. Because there were a lot of stupid choices that daddy made along the way. Y'all follow me here? And even in the midst of our bad choices, God still moves. But there's something about it where we got to get rid of, stop making the bad choices and start making, focusing on making choices that are in line with what God wants and start this piece where our walk becomes more about my choices and following him rather than my choices and in, 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 in meeting my own selfishness. And Paul's prayer in this, he goes on, he says, 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you know that faith is a choice? Our faith is a choice that we make. The Greek word is, is pistis, and I mispronounced it, but that's okay. You can go Google it. It'll tell you how to pronounce it. It's P-I-S-T-I-S. And it's this. Faith is the conviction of the truth, the belief. And it includes the idea of trust. Trust or confidence in God or, or, or Jesus. See, so that Jesus may dwell in your hearts through faith. So here, here it takes us to this point where my faith, my choice to have faith, my choice to trust, my choice to put my faith in God, my choice to put my faith in Jesus, not only for my eternal salvation, but for my everyday decisions, for my everyday walk, that my faith will be what drives me, my belief and my trust in him will be what, what, what I focus in on, that that's the choice, that that's how I'm making my choices. Do I choose to trust him in this moment, or do I put my trust in my own self and what I can see? Because I can tell you this, that when I choose to put my trust and my faith in what I can see, I don't go very far. I don't see God move as much. But when I go out on this limb and I go out to this place where the fruit is, do you notice that majority of the fruit is not towards the trunk? Majority of the fruit is towards the what? The end of the branch. It's not where it's strong. If you want the fruit, we have a neighbor that's got a peach tree. And every peach on that tree, you don't find it near the trunk. You find it near the, towards the end of the branch. Do you know that the end of the branch is not stable? Do you know that the end of the branch is flimsy? That it's easy to break there? And see, we want fruit in our lives and we want to see God move in our lives. But the problem is that so many of us are holding on to the trunk. Because it's stable there, it's comfortable there, it's sturdy there. And in this piece that I'm talking about where we choose to put our faith and trust in God, we start walking out where things are not as, as comfortable and things are not as, as steady and things are not as firm and, and, it, and, it, and it, it's a little floppy and we get out there, but the fruit's out there. And when you, get, when you get a good piece of fruit, it's juicy and it tastes good. And it leaves a lasting impression in your mouth to where what? You want more. When you get a piece of bad fruit, what do you want to do? You want to throw it away. But you know, here's the problem. So many times we'll hold on to the trunk of the tree and we'll eat the bad fruit and we'll say, this is good enough. Guys, I went to Alabama one time. We are driving back right during peach season. Do you know that this juice, when a good peach does what? The juice runs this way, and it's down your arm. So much so that if I could lick my arm, I would. I can't do that. But, but if you, that's how good. See, the problem is this, is if we truly walk out our faith, we get to taste the good fruit, and we get to experience something amazing. And what happens is it becomes addicting. Do you know how bad I want to drive to Alabama right now to get a good peach? Because the ones at Kroger's aren't cutting it. Guys, that's the way our faith journey should be. That's what Paul's praying here is that you would, you would look at your faith journey as something that becomes so addicting, that becomes something so, so much beyond what you can imagine that, that there's something that happens here. See, my trust and confidence should only be in Jesus, and that's what my choices should reflect. 
And he goes on and says this, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now let's just understand this, that in order for me to be rooted and grounded in love, that there's got to be an attitude in which I live life. That when I'm rooted and grounded in, the, in love, I'm rooted and grounded in Jesus because he's the only one that can sustain the love that I need for this world. And so am I rooted and grounded in that? And may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. See, my, 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 I need to get to this point where I understand and I start to comprehend, where we start to comprehend how deep his love is for us, how much he loves us and that there's no limit to it, that it goes on and on and it doesn't end. And so many times we think it ends based off of bad choices. But even if my bad choices, even in my bad choices, I see how much his love is there. And when I'm rooted and grounded in that, I can see it. And I start to comprehend it as I live this out. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And see, my choices, my choice whether to walk out on that branch, my choice whether to trust him, my choice whether to have faith in him, my choice whether to put faith in him. Where do I place that at? Depends on whether the rest of this comes. He uses this word that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I want you to understand this word filled is a word that means process. When you go and you fill your coffee cup outside, does it fill in one pump? No, it fills in multiple pumps. When we go and we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with who, what God has for us, when we're filled with all the fullness of God, it is a process that he takes us through. It's not an instant thing. And imagine that this, there's this picture that he's pouring into you, and he's pouring all his fullness into you, and it doesn't happen immediately, but it happens over time. When? As I choose to put my faith in him. And the more I put my faith and trust in him, the more he fills me. And the more I understand, the more I comprehend. I don't come to comprehension and understanding of how deep and how wide and how great his love is unless I choose to put my faith in him and I go out on that limb. And he's there and he meets me. Colossians 2, 6 to 7 says this. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as, as the Lord, so walk in him. Notice it doesn't say so sit down in him. Notice it doesn't say, so lay down in him. No, it says, so walk. Walking is a process. Walking is an action step. Walking is something we do to move forward. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See, my choice is to walk with him today or not to walk with him. I need to focus in on what my choices are. So as I focus in on my approach and I focus in on the source, and I focus in on my choices. It brings me to this point in verses 20 and 21. It's where I need to focus on my trust. Now to him who is able to do far more. Abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout generations. Forever and ever. Amen. I want you to think about this.
Last week, I, I encouraged you guys to take a couple minutes and write down the story of, of what God's writing in your life. To start capturing what God's doing. And, and some people are like, Chad, I'm in a bad place. I, I, I don't know. See, when we're in that place, that valley, we start questioning whether he, he loves me. We start questioning whether he's there. We start questioning a lot of things in that valley. But see, in that valley is where he walks us through to help us understand what it means to put our faith in him and trust in him. Because he brings us through. And he reveals his goodness. And he reveals his power. And he reveals who he is in the midst of that peace. See, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. See, we have a God that isn't limited by our imagination. We have a God that's not limited by what we think he can do. We have a God that's not limited by what we saw him do yesterday. no limits to him there's 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 no limit to what he can do he's not limited by that past experience he's not limited by that past peace see when we read this he's far more abundantly than we could what say it real loud see we limit him by what we ask and what we think and what we assume. And yet my God has, my God is one that goes above and beyond. My God is one that is not limited by what I think. My God is one that's not limited by what I saw him do yesterday. See, he keeps going. <laughs> I, I wish for, for a minute as my mind was right, I could invite you in here because the story of what I've seen in this church is this, this passage right here. The story of what I've seen him do at LifePoint is, is written right here. And my biggest, y'all want to know my biggest fear as your pastor? That we lose sight of this. That we get to a place where we start looking at what he did rather than what he's going to do. I don't want to go there. I don't want to become dependent on what he did. I want to become dependent on who he is. And when I become dependent and focused on who he is, then I know what he can do, which is far more abundantly than I could ever imagine. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that I want to see move in my life. That's the God that I want to see move in your life. That's the God that I want to see lead this church. The one that will do a far more abundantly than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. See, is that the trust I put in or do I put my trust in yesterday? Goes on to say this, according to the power at work within us. You'll see there's this power that exists within us. He's given it to us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.
So he takes us through this prayer. And in the prayer, he ta- he, the, the focus, my focus needs to be on my approach. My focus needs to be on the source. My focus needs to be on my choices. And my focus needs to be on my trust and who I put my trust in. As he's praying through this, he, he brings us to this point, and we talked about it a while back in this word, amen. And I love this word, and I love what it means. And when you close something in the amen, it's saying, so let it be. Let it come to existence. And he closes this prayer for the church, and he says, amen. So let it May his strength fill us beyond all measure. May my choices reflect his glory. May we walk out of faith as a church body that is totally trusting him along the way. May we not become dependent on what he did yesterday, but may we be looking to what he's going to do today and tomorrow. And in this peace, we know that he'll meet us, that he'll provide, that he'll be there, that he'll walk through the valleys with us, that he'll meet us in the mountaintops, that he'll be along with us every step of the way, giving us exactly what we need. And even more so, because my God does far more abundantly than I could ever think or imagine, because that's my God. In Isaiah chapter 12, too, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. Read this with me. I will and will not. For the, God, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my Again, if you didn't catch it, Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. Father God, we love you that you're a God that we can trust. Lord, that we don't have to be afraid of anything, that we don't have to, to look towards other things for what we need. That Father, you're a God as Paul prayed. As Paul prayed for the church body. And in this prayer, he revealed what we have and when we depend on you, that there's a strength that comes from you. There's a strength that, 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 that only comes from you. And Lord, as Paul prayed, as Paul wrote, that this strength already exists in the church. It already exists in us because we belong to you. And Lord, my prayer is that we would trust you and you alone that we would put our faith in you, that our choice day in and day out, circumstance, every circumstance we face, that, that our faith would be totally put in you and that would be the choice that we make. That we may not see the end or we may not see what's coming next, but Father, our trust and our faith would be solely put in you and you alone. And that would be our choice. Each time. You're a God that we can trust. You're a God that says we do not need to be afraid because we belong to you. That's my prayer for us.
learn to trust you. We will not be afraid, but we would realize that our strength and our power comes from your unlimited grace and your unlimited riches. Lord, that that our, our, our understanding, our comprehension of your love for us would grow day in and day out as we walk through whatever we're walking through, that you are there to meet us and walk with us. And in those moments, in those moments alone, Father, we would see how amazing you are. And Lord, in all of this, Lord, we would see you as a God that is not limited, but as a God that does far more abundantly than we could ever think or imagine. Because you're a God of unlimited love. Lord, we love you and praise you. We ask that you give us the strength to live this out in our lives. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple ways to respond today. The communion table is open, and so as you remember what Jesus did for you, uh, please go and take communion. That's why we do it here at LifePoint, is to remember how good our, our Savior is and given his life for us. Uh, another way to respond is through our offering time. You can, uh, on your card, if you got your prayer or your connection card, it looks something like this. You feel free on the back to write a prayer or praise request. You could put that on there and, and bring that as an offering today as well. Uh, Joyce and Phil will be over here to pray with you. If you want to be prayed over, that'd be great. Um, again, we give back here at LifePoint, just so you know why we do the tithes and offerings. Is we, we believe at LifePoint that our giving is between us and Jesus. That because of what he has done for us and how he provides for us, that a way of trusting him, see, a lot of times we don't get this. And I wrestle with this. But a lot of times the way we show we trust him, and one of the biggest ways we show we trust him is by being obedient, by giving back to him. And so we do that through our tithes and offerings. And so if God leads you in that way, respond as well um, by giving um, little things like this. Um, and that lastly, we can stand and sing as a church family. Stand and sing praise to our God. Um, so you respond how God leads.
Y'all have a blessed week. I love you guys. Walk out your faith this week. Just trust in him and watch what he does. Y'all have a blessed week. We'll see you next week.